TheChairShot.com. TheChairShot.com. Always. Always. Use your head. You are now listening to ChairShot Radio. Always use your head. Oh, yeah, here it is. Finally, after a significant absence. Wow, holy crap, what was that accent? The absence. I don't know what was going on there, everyone. Chair Shot Radio Hockey Talk is back with Patrick O'Dowd and David Ungar. Vacations are over. Dave is back from Orlando. Patrick is back from Cape Cod. In that time, the Stanley Cup playoffs have ended. (laughs) And so Dave and I are going to put a recap on the season uh, today. And we're also going to throw you all a little curveball with the second half of the show. Because we're going to talk about one of the other major news stories to come out of sports uh, this past week. Uh, And since we've been gone and it's relevant, I figure it'd be a good time. But before we get into all that, uh, of course, I, I do need to tell you all that, you know, this is Chair Shot Radio Hockey Talk season finale for the 2021-2022 NHL season. I am joined by my good friend, David Ongar. Dave, how was Orlando? Man, Orlando was great. Um, hot, humid, and, and ugly. weather-wise ugly, but the parks were <clears throat> were very fun. I mean, had a, had a great time, got to do Cosmic Rewind. That was the big, the big win. And that and Avatar, you know, those were the big wins. And I, it, it was a lot of fun. Got to see my sister for the first time in a decade. She hung out at Animal Kingdom with us. So cool. that was that was really fun. Um, a couple of friends of ours from Bakersfield, they joined up with us at Universal. Uh, got to do, didn't get to do Hagrid's Motorbike because just, you know, Universal's idea of an express pass is an abomination. You know, oh, pay as much as you paid for your ticket just to get an express pass, but we're not going to include these rides. So didn't get to do that, but got to do the... Um, uh, Escape from Gringotts, which was really cool. So yeah, we got to do a lot of stuff. I could have really, you know, you've been to Epcot, so that World Showcase, right. you could really spend a lot of time there just getting shitty drunk. And uh, yes, you re- you really can. You really can. No no lies detected. You really can. How was Cape Cod? Uh, Cape Cod was fine. Uh, the the O'Dowd family realized after vacationing at Cape Cod that they are not. Like we like being around the ocean, but we don't need to be on the beach. Is what we what we really learned after uh, three three summers now of vi- visiting and vacationing in Cape Cod. We spend as much time exploring miniature golf courses around the Cape and doing other stuff in within Cape Cod itself and and Hyannis than we did actually on the beach looking at the ocean. Our our room where we stay is a balcony that overlooks the beach directly. Like it's like three steps and you're on the beach. We spent more time sipping adult beverages on that patio, listening to the ocean and relaxing. than we did actually at the ocean. I think we walked the beach like two or three times, collected some shells uh, and basically came to the conclusion that next year we're not going back. Yeah. So in reflection of recognizing that maybe we're not, 
completely beach people and the fact that we haven't visited our families in the Midwest in seven years, I think is the last time we were back to Illinois. And that was when my grandmother passed away. We're, uh, we're next summer. The O'Dowds are heading to the Midwest. We are doing a two week vacation and we are going to scenic Wisconsin. We are Wisconsin bound. You're going to shack up with Tony. No, but I have a feeling Tony will be visiting me on this vacation. We're going to the Wisconsin Dells, and I don't know if you've ever been to the Wisconsin Dells, but it is the water park capital of America. And so more water slides like in this one place than I guess anywhere else in the country. The Little O'Dowd is stoked. We're thinking about perhaps inviting our sister-in-law up, but that is uh, to to join us because she uh, loves my or loves my my nephew, her nephew, and was disappointed the last time the Mrs. O'Dowd went to Illinois uh, for for her family matter back uh, around Memorial Day weekend that he didn't come to. So we're we're going to create some familial opportunities, go to the Wisconsin Dells, and PC Tunney has threatened to bring himself and DP up to share a frosty malt beverage at some point during my vacation. So I'm looking I, I at the website right now. It looks fun. Oh yeah, dude. Like every resort has at least one to two water parks in the resort, not counting the other places you can go. And it's, it's a, it's an intense sort of thing. They also are a big camping location, which is what Mrs. O'Dowd used to do for her childhood with her families. They would go up and stay in like a cabin and do things like fishing and, you know, hang out and search the area. So yeah, that's that. I mean, amusement parks, animal related stuff, zoos. Yeah, um, it's a it's a pretty big tourist hotspot. Going in June, while not the best decision, is the decision we're making. So <laughs> yeah, but uh, overall, it was a good trip. Went to my first Boston Red Sox game. They, I think you knew I was doing that uh, to see the the Cardinals, and I've been telling everybody. So folks who have listened to me already talk about this. Sorry, you're here again. I attended the wrong Red Sox game, Dave. I picked I picked the wrong day to go because the Cardinals first they lost so that was annoying uh, but the the next day the Saturday of that series Cardinals won convincingly the Red Sox held an, uh, a tribute uh, ceremony for Albert Pujols as he's on his retirement tour and then in the eighth inning of the Red Sox games they play Sweet Caroline like that's that's their thing Neil Diamond himself was at the game the next day to lead everyone in singing Sweet Carolina. And I think you know that I'm like a huge Neil Diamond mark. Uh, and he does not make appearances anymore. He's, he suffers from Parkinson's disease. And, and so he, like, for him to make a rare appearance, I just, like, everything that could have gone well for Patrick O'Dowd at a Boston Red Sox game happened the next day. And not the day where I had baller seats because I was four rows behind home plate. And, you know, I got into it with a dude bro Red Sox fan when Nolan Arenado hit a home run and I had the audacity to stand up and celebrate. But uh, but it was it was still a really good time. It just would have been a better time the next day. Oh, well, say la vie. People aren't here to hear about our vacation. Yeah, unless you have Gray's Sports Almanac, then how would you know? Right. I And that's true. And I didn't know. Uh, I forgot to mention, this is ChairShot Radio Hockey Talk on the ChairShot Radio Network, a part of the ChairShot.com, where we encourage you to always use your head. TheChairShot.com. Always use your head. 
Thank you, Christopher Platt. And we've got two halves of a show to do. We're going to take our first commercial break in a second. Uh, first half of the show, we are going to put a wrap on the Stanley Cup Finals, talk about that, and make our way too early overreaction uh, picks for next year. Second half of the show, after the second commercial break, we're going to talk a little college football because this conference realignment thing and what just happened with the Pac-12 and the Big Ten is huge, huge news and is changing the landscape of what we think of college sports. So I'm excited to talk about this topic, and I'm dragging Dave along for the ride. A little bit more of a sports talk edition, less hockey talk, half and half. So with that said, we're going to take our first commercial break, and when we come back, we're going to talk Stanley Cup Finals. You are listening to Hockey Talk here on the Chairshot Radio Network, a part of the Chairshot.com. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. This is your boy, Kenny Killer, telling you to make sure you check out thechairshop.com, bringing you breaking news, interviews, podcasts galore, everything pro wrestling. Make sure you check it out, thechairshop.com. Okay, one last time to put a bow on the season. Let's get a little intro music to get us warmed up here from our good friends at NBC. Prostate myself before the court. You even got the number of you, games you prostate right. Prostate yourself. I don't want to know about your prostate, <laughs> sir. If you would like to prostrate, yes, I'll take that. But no, thank you on the prostate front. Like that's your business. <laughs> yeah. I like I said, my voice is not a hundred percent, so I'm sure the R was silent. Right, it's there. your voice. Uh-huh. Dave's a little Freudian today, everyone. That's what I heard. That. But you were correct with the number of games and the team and all that fun stuff and the avalanche rule the world. No, I, well, I was I was incorrect on games. I thought it would go seven. I thought that Tampa Bay would push it. I thought it was going to be a, a, a best of seven series. It was still a, it was still a good series. It was still a really good series. The mature, they, like you've just seen how much Colorado has matured from last year to this year throughout this play. They were a force 
They lost four games in the Stanley Cup playoffs, Dave. Four. And were never really pushed, honestly, outside of Jordan Bennington and, and the Blues for two games. Like, even in the games that they lost to Tampa Bay, like, it wasn't like they were out of it. It wasn't like, like, I think Tampa Bay really had control of, what was it, game, was it game, game four? Three. Game three. Game, game three or game four, yeah. Like, there was one game where it was like, okay, this these are the champs. And, and I think that was about the time, because that was when they went back home. You know, Colorado goes up 2 nothing. They go back to Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay takes control uh, of that game, really plays, you know, forced Colorado to play their game, and it worked out great. And I'm sure that was about the time I got the hyperbolic Dave text about, here we go, here's the turnaround. Tampa Bay's winning this I never, thing. I never uh, sent the text. I, I was just kind of like, I, I will say this, like you're talking that Colorado came of age and, and you were say they weren't really pressed. There was the moment, though, where I think that you really got to see how good they were. And that was game six. Stamco scores in the opening minutes of the game. They're down. That crowd is red hot. Yep. Everything could have avalanched against them, pun intended. But um, Ching. But they they hung in there, and I think you saw their their medal as a champion by the way that they played the rest of that game, tied it up, took the lead, and that third period they out Tampa Tampa because right Tampa got like what three shots on goal. You're trying to tie the game up and save your dynasty, and Colorado just said, "Nope, we're going to show you that we know how to play defense." and you know, I mean, they they really shut them down. Right. Yeah, they 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 decided they were not going back to Colorado without the cup. Yeah. Champions, and so that champions yeah, imposed they imposed their will on people. And that's what Colorado did. They imposed their will on a tremendous hockey team and said, nope, not happening. Right. Yeah. That, and that's the other thing is, you know, Tampa Bay isn't going anywhere. You know, I don't, I, I don't know that they'll, they'll be the favorites out of the East next year. Uh, I have my thought when we talk to about our way too early predictions, because uh, I'm buying a different team if they can keep themselves together and really rebound. You're nodding. I'm sure you have an idea of where I'm going based on our talk with the playoffs this year. But you got to. This is going to hurt me to say. Um, but I sent you a message. I think it was, was in front of Game Five um, that Kadri, Nassim Kadri, when Kadri was coming back, and when he came back, I was like, "This could be the difference." And he then, of course, in Game Five, I think it was he scored a game. He scored the game winner to win yeah. Game Five for them. The overtime. Winner. And then, yep. And then in Game Six, he was just uh, his presence was felt. Like he made his presence felt and known. Like he didn't score goals, but he was. It was uh, game, game uh, four. He got the overtime winner. Was it game four that he yeah, got the overtime Tampa winner? Tampa won game five. Three. Yeah, they won game three and game five. Um, but Kadri comes back, and I was like, this will be a difference maker. And it absolutely was a difference maker. He was a difference maker throughout the playoffs. Like, yeah. as much as I hated the guy and thought he took advantage of a situation against the Blues, like, he was a big – so many parts to that Colorado team were – there yeah Kadri got the um endorsement from the iron sheik so that's really all you need yeah, to know she about keep, it she she baby back in the guy that's but that, that'll tell you all, all think, you need to know you know i want i was gonna ask you and it was funny because i was at universal uh and i was talking earlier where we met friends from bakersfield one of the guys we met is a big oilers fan so right we met up at universal and i said what, what do you think of the uh non-call in game four this is where 
you know, John Cooper was incensed because it's clear Colorado's got too many men on the ice. It's not called. Uh, Kadri scores the overtime winner, and it's three games to one. Now, I get it that, yeah, the fact that there was an extra man on the ice probably didn't influence the play. And the refs are, you know, at that point, Kadri's on a quasi breakaway. So the ref's focus is down there. But yeah, I mean, does John Cooper have a legitimate beef? Yeah, there are a few places where there are some questionable missed calls. Um, it's going to happen. I mean, I and I'm all for like rest. Put your whistle away. Let the guys play. I, I mean, up to a point. But, uh, you know, I, I think I think even Tampa would say Colorado was the better team. They outplayed us when they had right. to. And, and that's all there is to it. Right. And, you you know, it's interesting to me that with that, that too many, by the way, Kadri was walking around with a uh, custom made shirt that said that had too many men on the ice uh, a couple of days ago. It was popped up with him. He was wearing it in an airport. Uh, so, so he, uh, he leaned into that bad boy, but uh, I was, I was surprised that replay that after, after like a, like with replay available and being able to review that, that they didn't, call it they'll call offside they'll wipe out a goal on an offside yeah, yeah absolutely so that's, I, that's why it, it stunned me like i was really really surprised but what he done unless that's not a scenario that you can call or you I, call for replay i, 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 I don't thought know it the, was i don't know the rules but it doesn't seem like it doesn't because it wasn't a good goal like but champion championship teams like that's part of winning a championship you know you talked about like putting games away part of it's luck too Part of it's puck luck and things breaking your way. And what did, um, what did you think of McCarr? What do you think of McCarr winning the what, Conn what, Smythe? I'm I'm so happy for Kale McCarr. Like, I, I, he, to, here's the thing, honest to God. Like, and I, I will say I have mixed feelings about the Colorado Avalanche winning this cup as a franchise because Stan Kroenke is a shit owner and fucked over the city of St. Louis with the, with the Rams. And so for him to not only have a Super Bowl and I think it's the Super Bowl, right? His team won the Super Bowl and now he's got, yeah. um, yeah. So they, he, he's got a Super Bowl championship and a Stanley cup. He's living large. And it's one of those things where it's like, of course, bad guys win, but Kale McCarr being able to watch that guy play at the university of Massachusetts led the team to a national title appearance that they didn't win. Uh, UMass would win the national title the next year. Uh, we we at we at UMass knew he was going to be special, and I think he's shown how special he's he is and is going to be. And if he doesn't get hurt, and he's had he hasn't had a bad track record of getting hurt, so this isn't like me putting it out there. We could be looking at the beginning of a Hall of Fame career. In the National Hockey There was, um, I forget who they talked to. One of the Avalanche players was doing an interview after they won the cup on the ice. And somebody, I think, asked, you know, what would you tell, you know, you guys have been through a lot. You've stuck together. What would you tell any of the other teams out there? Any advice you can give them as far as persevering to get the cup? He says, find yourself a Kale McCarr. That'd be a good place to start. Yeah, he's so, he, he does everything so well. He's fast. He passes extraordinarily well. Uh, as a defenseman, you know, he sets up others to score and can score. It's, uh, he's almost unfair. He's a cheat code a little bit, uh, for, for where he is. Not, you know, he's not Nate McKinnon. He's, he's not, you know, that, but, but I mean, he's he right was, up there he, as in, good in as... two years. He might, and he might be in two years. He might be Nate McKinnon, but like, 
you know, just from a defenseman. Yeah, I mean, from my standpoint, I love seeing Burakovsky have success. I know he yeah. got hurt and hurt pretty bad right. near the end of the series, but he scored that overtime winner in game one. Um, now he's a two-time Stanley Cup champion. Uh, you know, McKinnon played well. Landeskong played well. They they just, you know, there was a lot of stuff that they did. Kemper played well. He had a, a rough game three, but bounced back. Um, right. And proved, you know, proved that Colorado didn't really miss a whole lot when Grubauer went to Seattle. So, um, yeah. yeah, I what can you say? They were, they were, I mean, I remember as the season was going along and everybody was panicking, you know, oh, they're below the line, they're this and that. And we kept saying, wait till they get healthy, wait till they get healthy. And what, they lost all of 14 games this regular season or something ridiculous like that? They won 56 games, for God's sake. Yeah, it was, it was, it was, it's obscene. And they're young. They're not going to lose a lot next year. Uh, go ahead, go I there. guess this go, is, like, go so, there. So let's so let's talk about next year. Is this is there potential for a repeat championship for the Colorado Avalanche? It's funny, you know, we talked about Tampa Bay solidifying themselves as <clears throat> excuse me, a, a dynasty by winning a third straight cup. The irony of it is that the actual dynasty might be the Avalanche and, and not Tampa Bay because they are extraordinarily young. They've gone through all this stuff and now they're at the top of the mountain. Barring injury or major losses in free agency, which I don't, I mean, Kadri, I think might be a free agent. Um, that'd be a big loss if they lose right. him because he's such a great role player. Uh, but barring injuries, tough guy. Yeah, barring injuries, free agency, something drastic happening, they're my pick to re- repeat. I don't see, I don't see how they regress. I just see them getting better. Yeah. I th- the only way you, you see a team regress is if they if they are if they play complacent. Like that was my big complaint about the St. Louis Blues after they won the cup. Twenty twenty, they kind of came out a little complacent, and then they they, they got hurt uh, and got injured to, to beat the bat. And the, I also think the season pause really hurt the Blues, but they weren't. They, there's a different fire, and that's the that's the thing is the challenge becomes after you win a championship keeping the competitive fire within the team, especially if it's largely returning to maintain that intensity. Scotty Bowman was a master at that in Detroit. Um, yeah, like the caps didn't have a, a cup hangover per se. They just, I think right. they just, you know, age caught up with them and, and they didn't, they didn't beat Carolina when they should have, when they had their, when they had right. them down in the playoffs. But yeah, I think you're right. If Colorado avoids a, a, a cup hangover, and, you know, even, yep. even if they kind of coast the first month or something, okay. But, uh, yeah, I don't see, I, I don't see anybody now, beating them. Now, now the other thing is, it is important to note, the Stanley Cup is one of the hardest championships to repeat. Well, it, just the nature of the playoffs and the way things go, really, really difficult to repeat. So, Tampa Bay, to make three straight finals in and of itself, is just fucking ridiculous. Uh, and if Colorado, now that it's gotten over that playoff hump, because that was the funny thing, is a lot of people were like, okay, they're going to make the finals this year, but then Tampa Bay is going to win out. I'm looking at you, Barry Melrose. Ha ha, you and were me. wrong. And me. And Dave. I, but see, I, you're my co-host, man. I was going to be nice. I was going to protect you. Protecting the business, as they say in, in wrestling. But anyway, you know, I, I think it was a very fair argument, right? Young team hasn't been here before this Tampa Bay team has 
back-to-back championships, has experience, talent. They, they just they know how to get it done, and that wins out nine times out of ten. The veteran, experienced team wins out. And what we saw here is that Colorado never stopped playing this game. They never played not to lose. And, and I think that was a big they, – they were not bamboozled by the bright lights of the finals. They, as you mentioned, their resolve in, in hostile environments were just amazing. And, again, they lost four games in, in, in the Stanley Cup playoffs. That's ridiculous. That's ridiculous. That's a video game good. That's right. So, okay. So, Dave, you've already picked Colorado Avalanche. Uh, you, you said that's going to be your pick for a repeat. Um, I think right now, my all too early hot t- hot take is that uh, they'll they'll they have a clear path to the finals again because I think that the rest of the West Western Conference has a lot of work to do in the off season to to compete. You know, when I look at I look at the Blues, for example, Blues got to get faster. They're just they're 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 not they they just didn't have the horses particularly after Jordan Bennington went down a goal and that's their other thing is they got to solve their number two goal. Like they, they need, they're going to probably keep uh, Bennington. I think Bennington saved his career in St. Louis with his playoffs performance, but you look at it like they have the blues have work to do. Edmonton has work to do. Uh, Vegas has work to do. The Vegas didn't even make the playoffs. Um, who else? Like everybody, like there's just no clear yeah. team. On the eastern side of things, I think Tampa Bay is going to be strong again next year. I still think Carolina's on on the verge if they can figure it out. Uh, never count out the Bruins, but my pick to go to the Stanley Cup Finals from the Eastern Conference is the New York Rangers. I, I think that they, they're, again, it's a young team. It's a tough team. They've gotten a taste of advancing. They just need – they have work to do. they got to find some offense. They got to find some people who can score, and, and that was what killed them against Tampa Bay. That and just terrible turnovers. They just turned the puck over too much. So that's that's the things they got to tighten up. But I think it's a young team. It's going to be a hungry team next year. And so I'm going to go with the New York Rangers as my hot take all too early Stanley Cup final appearance from the Eastern Conference. I would say if the Rangers can find one more scorer, like you mentioned. And if Shesterkin stays healthy and matches or comes close to what he did this year, I would agree with you that the Rangers would be my favorite. Tampa Bay is not going to be far off, but, you know, they've played so much hockey over the past three years and, and they aren't the youngest team in the world. So I would I don't think that they will be there. I'll tell you the team that I'm looking at. The Rangers are right up there. Toronto is the team that I think might <laughs> actually get the job. Because what? They were so close against Tampa this year and had that series in hand and couldn't put it away. Um, dominated that overtime. They're breaking hearts. They are. But, uh, you know, it, but you look at, you know, when you look at teams and their progression of things and how they finally break through and you look at what Toronto did this year. And, and this year was like, you know, when they blew it against Boston a few years ago, they just got steamrolled in the third period. They actually outplayed Tampa for most of that series. Right. Just couldn't get a lucky bounce here and there. 
Ter- Toronto, I'm reluctant. Attention. Yeah, I'm reluctantly saying Toronto, but if the Rangers get a scorer in free agency, I I like your pick with the Rangers. My hot take is the Caps will not make the playoffs next year. That I you don't th- you don't think the Caps make the playoffs no, any year? So. No, not next year. Um, I will say one other team to pay attention to that I didn't mention when I was rolling through the West, Calgary. Um, Calgary, Calgary's another Calgary's another team, and, and Calgary I think actually has the offensive horses to keep up with Colorado. Uh, now, there's some goal scoring issues that happen every once in a while. Uh, they gave up, what was it eight? Yeah, <laughs> and Edmonton have, gotta game. have goaltending, and they they did. So, so that that's that's again, everybody's got holes. Everybody's got some pretty big holes, and, and of course, you're looking at a Stanley Cup champion in in the Colorado Avalanche. It's really easy after you win the cup to be like that team looks pretty solid and they are pretty solid. Like what do they, what do they really do, need to do for, for the off season? We'll, we'll have to wait and see. So, um, yeah, I guess right now, since, you know, we're putting feet to the fire, I'm going to say just, I'm going to be different. I'm going to take a big risk. My all too early prediction pre off season moves is that the New York Rangers somehow not only make the finals, but pull the upset and be the Colorado avalanche. I'll take I'll take the Avalanche to win the cup against whoever comes out of the East. There you go. Hyperbolic Dave is back again. Okay, when we come back from our second commercial break, we are going to talk a little college football. But before we get to that conversation, I do want to remind you that if you like what we do here at thechairshot.com and you want to support us in some way, shape, or form, the best way you can do that for us is to head over to prowrestlingtees.com forward slash thechairshot and invest in a chair shot shirt. We have all kinds of awesome designs to choose from. Everything from chair shot logos to shows, titles of shows, bandwagon nerds is Dave and I's other pet project, our, our love, the thing that we we our passion play. We love we love seeing our shirt floating out there. Um, sayings from the shows and the personalities. All of that is available there to you uh, over at prowrestlingtees.com. Shirts are $19.99, but if you want to really feel good on your jib with something that feels fancy, spend a few dollars more, get it soft style, and really, you know, your your body will thank you. ProWrestlingTees.com forward slash the chair shot. As Christopher Platt would say, please and thank you. Thank you and please. When we come back, a little talk about college football and the shakeup that is happening across the football landscape. You're listening to Hockey Talk slash Sports Talk this week on the Chair Shot Radio Network, a part of thechairshot.com. Promotional consideration paid for by the following. Hey folks, PC Tony here. Thanks to our new partnership with Angry Lemonade, you can save 10% on physical products and digital commissions using the promo code CHAIRSHOT. Head to angrylemonade.net to check out their amazing catalog of products and services. Use the promo code CHAIRSHOT to save 10%. That's angrylemonade.net. All right, welcome back. Sorry about that pause, everyone. Uh, don't have your cell phones next to you while you're doing a podcast. Because uh, when the thing goes off and all of a sudden you're like, hmm. so here is. Who joined the Big Ten now? <laughs> uh, well, I mean, who will join the Big Ten? Well, so, yeah. So, Dave, nice segue. News broke. at the First of all, sports this week was fucking bonkers. The NBA went crazy with, like, signs, trades, and free agency and People opting in, opting out. Kevin Durant wants to be traded out of Brooklyn. Like, just nuts stuff. And in the midst of all that noise that was going on in the chair shot sports radio conversation sphere, I'm like, college football as we know it 
is continuing in this seismic shift in the way that we recognize it. And let me tell you, the old, the old guard of college football, like the people who report on this and watch it, they are, they are sad and angry and not happy because change is always frightening and they don't understand it. And so for those of you who don't know, this week on Thursday, I think it was, news broke that UCLA and USC, two of the bedrock schools from the Pac-12, are leaving the Pac-12 and will be joining the Big Ten as early as 2024. This, along with the previous year, the news that Oklahoma and Texas will be joining the SEC, means that there are now two conferences, two major college conferences, 16 schools in it. And with between those two conferences, in, in terms of football alone, 20 of the top 25 pro- most profitable college football programs are in those conferences. And let, let's let's start with let's start with the thing. Let's start with the obvious. So the Big Ten is largely a Midwest region conference with Rutgers, Maryland, and Penn State sort of in this weird additional thing. Nebraska was as far west as you went in the Big Ten. Until the addition of the Pac, like the, the, the two Pac-12 schools that we have now, UCLA and USC, the Big Ten Conference is literally a coast-to-coast conference now. And that I, I will, I will own and agree that immediately raised some some eyebrows because that that travel and that schedule, like how many people? I, I'm sorry, like how excited are we for UCLA versus Rutgers in in Piscataway in December? Late November, sure, Rutgers, I guess it'll be hilarious. Rutgers is probably excited about it, but <laughs> right. Uh, Big Ten games kicking off at 10 p.m. Eastern time because of the Western time zone. Like, like it's it's a, it's a. I, I was I've listened to some other sports talk people, and, I, and I'm going to rip off a guy that I really think is very insightful. And and if this guy ever wants to move forward in his career as a sports journalist, uh, I think he's a name that could really make some hay, but his name is Jeremy Werner and Jeremy Werner covers university of Illinois sports. Uh, and I, I'm a, I subscribe to his, uh, he's, he works for 24 seven and he manages the Illinois site for 24 seven, but he did a podcast right after this news broke his emergency pod. Like, my God, this is huge news. And he talks about how Kevin Warren, who has been just getting eviscerated, since he took over as commissioner of the Big Ten, probably just made his stamp for his re his his uh, his contract renewal as he takes the Big Ten and keeps it on par financially with the Southeastern. And ultimately, that's what this comes down to because the Big Ten is currently renegotiating its television rights deal, and this was a big chip in, in keeping them profitable. Between the Big Ten and the SEC, both schools or uh, both conferences earned something like I don't know if it's seventy million or seventy. This guy is seventy million dollars on its own for its for its media rights. The other conferences are less than half of that. So this is a this is becoming a Big Ten Pac Ten landscape or Big Ten SEC landscape in college football in particular, but in sports. So Dave. I, I did a lot of talking there. I'm sorry. Your reaction to just just the news 
Uh, and are you gonna are you gonna catch the Illinois UCLA game when they come to LA, buddy? Absolutely, man. <laughs> I mean, I've been I've been out. I've been to a ton of UCLA games. My uh, you know, my buddy, he was a season ticket holder. He just gave up on it. I, it was yeah, it was Thursday. Bleacher Report. It came through on on my feed, and I posted it in the Chair Shot Sports chat. And then everything just exploded from there. But I sent it to him as well. And he's like, what the fuck? Um, and yeah, I mean, from the standpoint of out here in California, this is massive. The two preeminent right. schools in the state, with all due respect to Cal and Stanford and stuff like that. But yeah, USC, UCLA are the going two of the biggest rivals. And now you've got a built-in rivalry being transferred over to the Big Ten, which is all about big-time rivalries. So... Uh, yeah, it's it's a it's a seismic shift in the uh, in college football, and it really puts it in a situation. I'm like, I saw it like um, there's at least one scenario that I, I lo- I'm looking at it right now, Pat, talking about a potential 40 team college football super league, which basically would have the SEC as one conference, the Big Ten as the, the other, and then they would split it amongst eight five-team divisions. And, you know, I'm just kind of like looking at what they've got here, and I'm like, it's, that makes sense? <laughs> I mean, that's it's, scary. It's, a, it's an NFL model, and it is really... So here, so you started to go kind of macro, and I'm excited that you did that, because here's what's funny is right now there's all these articles talking about the death of college football and blah, 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 and it's just about the money. And guess what? It absolutely is about the money. And this is going to make them even more money. And here's and here's the other side of this. This is only happening because the NCAA as an organization is a fucking joke. And people, old, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna say this, and, and I don't care. Old people need to let go of their nostalgia of what college sports and college football used to be, because one, you're kidding yourself if you think it hasn't been about money since forever. It's forever. Like the University of Illinois got crushed in the 60s over slush fund money to to fund basketball and football and crush their and, and it crushed their program and set that university back. That's why Illinois is not a player anymore. They were a player. If you look at Illinois um, sports up until about the 50s or 60s, they were a player in college football. They were a player in college basketball. And then the slush fund scandal happened, crippled the program, and they've never really recovered. They've never recovered with football and basketball has, has had a couple of resurgence resurgences. Bruce Pearl fucked the program in the, in the early nineties too, uh, and really set them back. Uh, and they just haven't got that traction, but this, this is, this is straight up a reflection of the, the NCAA and the Supreme court a couple of years ago, Brett Kavanaugh writing that decision talking about how, as an entity, the NCAA can't do anything really when it comes to enforcement because of, because of not paying athletes. Uh, you know, you can't, you can't force them to treat, you know, free labor as a job, which is basically what they were trying to do. So they took all the teeth away from the NCAA. And then the NCAA has continued to insist on its oversight and governance to be a one size fits all model for all schools of all sizes. And you can't look at a juggernaut like Alabama and and try to hold it to even the same sort of level of guidelines and standards of governance as you do Eastern Illinois University. And it's, you know, 10,000 students versus the 50,000, 60,000, 70,000 students. Like, you just can't do it. 
And because the NCAA hasn't really taken any efforts, because Mark Emmert is stepping down and there's no clear line of leadership, the conferences are seeing that that there's nothing that can be done. They're not being given any good guidance to governance. Uh, they're taking control. And the SEC tested the waters first with Oklahoma and Texas. The Big Ten saw that that happened, and Kevin Warren was like, I'm not going to get left behind by the SEC. And since the NCAA has no control, these big conferences are taking control. Uh, and people are like, but the college football playoff, it's this great NCAA thing. College football playoff isn't run by the NCAA. It's independent of the national uh, of, of the NCAA. So your argument's dead there. Uh, this isn't done. You're right. For, I, I, I think for at least four more schools to both the SEC and the Big Ten is a very real thing. Dave, looking at the schools that are out there, I'll give I'll give my pitch of kind of what I want for the Big Ten, uh, and uh, but I'd love to hear your pitch as to if if the Pac-12 is going to die, and some schools are going to defect to the which Pac-12 schools make more sense in the SEC and which Pac-12 sense make more sense in the Big Ten as it is now. How about we do it that way? Like if you could move over some some schools, Oregon to the Big Ten for sure, because I think right. you you want to keep them with USC and UCLA. There's some natural rivalries there um if that happens and oregon state's not the sexiest program out there but you probably would want them to come along for that oregon state um oregon rivalry you know uh i mean as far as like other teams in the big 12 you know or going to the teams going to the sec i'd say arizona and arizona state make the most sense to me going because they're you know they're more southern you know, they're the Southern states, even though the Southwest, um, I think they, they fit in better with that kind of style of a program, uh, especially Arizona state. You know, I, I think, you know, if, if the big 12 dissolves Cal and Stanford, you got to keep them together. I mean, you don't have to, but it's, it's, you want to keep that big game rivalry. I mean, that's just kind of marquee shit that the big 10 loves to do. I'd say, okay, those guys, Washington and Washington state would seem like they should go with the other Northern Cal, you know, this Northern California type of schools, but you know, maybe that's something where, yeah, Washington and Washington state are, are don't have the kind of the marquee value. Maybe they end up like in the, uh, the big 12 or something, if that's still out right. there. Well, yeah, we'll, we'll see what, yeah. And well, if you're, imagine if you're like a school like Cincinnati right now, you just, you, you leave the American, you go to the college football playoff. You're like, we're joining the big 12 and now the big 12 could be in trouble. Yeah, but I, uh, I think like the ACC is the other conference you got to keep an eye on because, you right. know, there's a lot of teams there that make a lot of sense going into an expanded SEC. Teams like Clemson, you know, Clemson, Florida State and Florida should be in the same whatever you want to call sure. it. Sure. That sort of thing. Uh, so right. I, I look at the ACC and the Pac-12 and the Big 12, though, depending on what they do, if they actually try and recruit teams and consolidate and bolster their ranks Maybe they survive a little while longer. If they just say, look, we need to maximize our profitability. You're going to see those three conferences get split and you might get a 40 team super league. But I tell you how smart were, you know, I really question the the sanity, not Rutgers. Rutgers made the smartest move in their history by getting into the big 10 Mm -hmm. Maryland. was already situated in the ACC, but now you're looking at this saying, damn, Maryland was pretty smart. And, and yeah, and I think, you know, I know we're talking college football, but, Adding UCLA to the Big Ten for basketball is massive. Oh yeah, that's that's huge. It's going to be great. Um, here, so here's what I've seen and read 
in the wake of this in terms of other like apparently reports are out there that Oregon and Washington reached out to the Big Ten and were like, can we come too? Uh, and the report, the, the follow-up report that I heard on that was that the Big Ten said, we're holding for now because they're waiting on Notre Dame. And the Big Ten has been desperate to get Notre Dame but here, for years. Let me throw this out to you, though. What I read today is that if Notre Dame joins any conference other than the ACC, it's facing up to $150 million, $150 million oh, yeah. penalty. I don't, I, don't think, I don't think Notre Dame is going to the Big Ten. I don't. I don't think it makes a lot of sense from Notre Dame's standpoint for the reason that you laid out there. If I'm Notre Dame, I'm strengthening the ACC. Like, and I'm going full. You drop your independence in football, and you join the ACC conference, and the ACC then can start to try and leverage itself to expand and become the third super conference. Uh, for me, personally, for the, for, the, for the Big Ten, if they were going to expand um, and, and do their expansion uh, – with more schools from the the Pac-12, Cal, Stanford, Washington, Oregon, and the state of Washington and the state of Oregon have already, their state legislatures have already said that they would want to put in protections for Oregon State and Washington State to continue to play those rivalry games, even if Washington State and Oregon State don't go along with them to to the Big Ten. The other conference that if I if I'm a commissioner of right now. I'm I'm meeting with all of my athletic directors to lay plot for is the Mountain West. And you go after Utah, you go after Oregon State, you go after Washington State, you go after some of the you go after those big 12 schools. Maybe you do a reach down, even though it's Texas and, and you know, you would talk about a school I think makes a lot of sense football and basketball wise in the SEC, Baylor. Get Baylor. If you can get if you can get some of those marquee schools into that Mountain West conference, suddenly the Mountain West matters. Is BYU, you know I mean? where is BYU? Are they in the Mountain West? BYU, I think, is still in the Mountain West, yes. But, you know, get Utah back, because Utah left you. Get um, San Diego State. Uh, or no, San Diego State. Get, San Diego State's still with them, right? Yeah, yeah, they're not, they're not Pac-12. Yeah, yeah, they're, they they're, should have been in the Pac-12, but they're not. Right. But I think the Mountain West has a real opportunity over here. I think uh, if you are the, what, the remnants of the Big East – whatever that is for basketball, basketball, nobody gives a shit about Big East football because it doesn't exist. Uh, the American athletic conference, like some of these other sort of tweener conferences duck and cover. Um, but I think you could see this is going to be the beginning of some heavy tears. Like you said, there's going to be this, basically it's going to be a power 40 power 40, two major conferences that are going to do a, their own thing and have their own national title. They're going to be the, 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 live, the live golf of the NCAA, basically. Well, but again, the NCAA, the NCAA had gotten off their asses and been any level of proactive. Mark Emmerich had should shoulder all of this shit because he sat and did nothing and played this bullshit argument that it was all about the student athlete and we're here to protect. No. You saw you were making so much money off the backs of those students. You just quietly hoped it would keep going, whether it was with college football, which has never had a true championship under the NCAA at, at the division, quote unquote, division one level. You know what I mean? Like one double A or FCS or whatever you want to call it. They have their they have their playoff system and that structure. But like there's no NCAA championship for football. 
Like it was, it was originally, it was determined by pollsters. Remember that? Like you'd have the coaches poll and the AP poll come out and yeah, you'd have champions champion. all the time. Right. Not all the time, but frequently. Year, well, but I remember one year Michigan won the Rose Bowl and I can't remember who, I would, um, I can't remember the other school, but like Michigan was a national champion, in the AP poll and the other school was a champion in the coaches poll. And it's just, it's, it's insanity to me. And so then they, they came up with this, you know, the BCS system, which was, you know, run by Sears, or it was like sponsored by Sears and, and all of that. Uh, that had this really convoluted system based on polls before we finally got a shitty 14 playoff. Like the playoff, like it's going to be yeah. better for college football playoff system. And for those of you who are looking for the nostalgia and the magic of those old rivalries, those aren't going to go away because guess what? There's still money in there. People want to see Cal Stanford. They do, even if the teams aren't good. People want to see the game. They want to see Ohio State, Michigan. They want to see Alabama and Auburn, or Alabama and Georgia. All, all the SEC. Like, there's always big money there, but like television rights, why those those aren't going away. So let me. So don't the, panic. Let kids. me throw this to you. They yeah. earlier this year they said we're not expanding college football playoffs beyond four teams. This almost forces their hand to have to do that, doesn't it? If you want to keep the college football playoff, you do. But again, if these two, if these two mega conferences really happen and it goes the way that they do, and this is the other thing is the possibilities here for what this could look like in terms of a playoff structure and a national cha- champion structure for these schools is limitless. And they're just they're going to make more money. They're always going to have the best athletes, and it will become the premier college football thing. I weep for for smaller college football programs. Like I do, uh, but. The NCAA, if they're if they're sitting there crying over this, they got nothing, no one to blame but themselves, because they did it. Mark Emery did it, and let it happen. And, and you know, and I'll be interested to see actually how this will impact basketball and the NCAA basketball tournament, which is the largest revenue generating event for the NCAA. Uh, if that tournament changes and goes, like. And I, I don't, I mean, I get what you're saying, but there's always, because the college basketball tournament is so um, subject to parity and upsets that, you you know, these power conferences can still have all the best athletes, and as we know, from watching March Madness, that doesn't oh, yeah, always yeah. matter. I, I mean, as a, fan, as a fan of Illinois who's watched his one seed yeah. team lose the second round <laughs> exactly. and his four seed team lose in the second round, like, yes, that parity is real. It's not so much about the tournament. The tournament will probably, the tournament will still exist, but the NCAA might not exist. Uh, yeah, that's that's true. what I'm because because that's the other thing is for the NCAA to work as an institution, the athletic directors of those institutions have to continue to buy into it. And right now, there is a vote of no confidence going on in the NCAA with this conference expansion. Uh, I'm going to go back to the school I know because it's the University of Illinois. Josh Whitman, the athletic director for the University of Illinois. He did his state of the state of the program address uh, of the athletics department uh, this past week as well. This past Thursday, he always does. A base, he basically just does a, a speech to the media. It was over two hours long. He opened with talking about there is a crisis in the NCAA right now, and he is not a, a rash, an irrational acting athletic director. He's a lawyer. He's very uh, polished. He's very measured in what he says. He's talking about how if the NCAA doesn't change its structures, then the conferences are going to change it for them. And he, 
to, for him to say that and other conferences have said it too, but for him to say that tells me the NCAA, if it, it better find something fast, cause it's, it's, it's about to be done. So anyway, thank you for letting me spill that out, Dave. I know I, I sprung that topic on you. Oh, no, no, um, I, I, it's very interesting to me as well, because it, it is, you're watching a, a, a paradigm shift in, in college sports right now taking place in front of your eyes. And yeah, it's like what domino falls next and people are scrambling right. to consolidate power. And that's always, it's always fun to watch. So yeah, it's, it's between, exciting. between this, between this and name image and likeness, we, we now have officially turned college athletics into a full-time job. I can't wait so, for that college football video game to come out and what it's going to look like. Oh God, it's going to be, <laughs> I think EA is going to have to wait till hashtag 2027 because we have to get this shit all settled before he can put a structure in place. It's going to be interesting. So, all right, folks, that's going to do it for this season of Hockey Talk on Chair Shot Radio. Beginning next week, Dave and I will bring back our summer fun musical chairs coming back next Tuesday. I've already got a band in mind. Uh, I'm going to keep it quiet, Dave. I know you were saying we got to go back and look at our playlist. Uh, we, I got to figure out how to share out the Spotify playlist uh, so that other folks know about it and can come check it out. Cause I, I liked our playlist. It was very, very solid. Oh, it's uh, really good for those. Yeah. But for those of you who don't know, Dave and I are each going to come to next week's chair shot radio with a band that we love and appreciate and want to share with you, the listener, along with some nuggets of some hopefully lesser known tunes buy those bands for you to check out in addition to what they already do so well. I'm I'm excited to bring back musical chairs because it's just kind of a change of pace from the hockey talk grind. So excited for that, Dave. Yep, I am too. Uh, it'll I'll miss hockey for a few months, but I'm ready for something different. So yeah, don't worry. It won't be gone long. Well, before we head out of here, why don't you tell everybody how to find you out there in the uh, interwebs? You can find me on Twitter at Attitude Ag. That is at Attitude A-G-G. And on Facebook.com slash Attitude of Aggression. And you can follow me on the Twitter at Wrestling Realist. That is at W-R-E-S-T-L-N-G-R-E-A-L-I-S-T. You can catch me every Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday on the Chairshot Radio Network. Monday doing Bandwagon Nerds with the aforementioned David Ungar. Sometimes Ray Cash, always PC Tunney, sometimes the violent gentleman, Aesop Mitchell, sometimes the voice of the Chair Shot Radio Network, Christopher Platt. It's been a revolving, speaking of musical chairs, musical chairs of hosts lately as the summer months impact us with life. Uh, every Tuesday, it's Dave and I again on Chair Shot Radio, whether it's Hockey Talk or Musical Chairs. And then on Wednesday, I'm hanging out with Greg DeMarco and Miranda Morales on the Greg DeMarco Show. Thank you, everyone, for listening to this season of Hockey Talk on Chair Shot Radio. I hope to see you all next week or, to, or for you all to listen in next week as we kick off musical chairs. You have been listening to Hockey Talk on Chair Shot Radio, part of the Chair Shot Radio Network here at thechairshot.com. Nice buns, soft, fluffy, and ultra low net carbs. Discover Hero Bread, the delicious ultra low net carb bread with incredible taste and texture. 
Hero Bread has zero grams of sugar and is under 100 calories per serving. Plus, high in fiber with 5 to 10 grams of protein per serving. Order from Hero.co now and get 10% off your first purchase with promo code AH10. That's 10% off with code AH10. H-E-R-O dot C-O.